0: The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Mature audiences are cleared to proceed. Welcome back. In part one of our Atomic Blonde analysis, we set up all the factions and minor characters involved in the story. We carefully studied all of their win conditions and how they're approaching the situation. Did that episode get past you? You might want to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so that you can always stay caught up with us.
1: That said, if you just want to jump in here with us, here's a super quick recap. Uh, Everyone in Berlin wants to get their hands on something called The List, and our heroine Lorraine has been sent in by MI6 to grab it if she can. Why doesn't MI6 trust their current asset, Percival, to do this job himself? We're going to figure it out in this episode of Spies Like Us. So David, I've mentioned a few times to you that uh, Percival... I feel like keeps showing up as a name that's attached to spy movies and spy fiction. Here's what I was able to find. Uh, There's a book called the Parsifal mosaic, which Uh involves and Parsifal, Percival, Percival, same name, just different spelling, uh, which I believe uh, involves, uh, you know, the Parsifal character is like an important, like double agent Uh, in the company. The rumor of the mole that turned out to be Kim Philby was codenamed within MI6. They referred to him as Parsifal. Oh, uh, okay. There's a Percival in Kingsman. Right. a, a spy movie.
0: Well, they're, they're all named after King Arthur characters, but yeah, there's there right. a Percival. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah, right. And of course, the Percival in that movie is not a double agent.
0: No. Right. What's, and Percival in the King Arthur lore is not a double agent.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, he's the one that
0: finds the Holy Grail.
1: Yeah, that's why I think it's so weird. But but, um, but
0: the the watch is like the Holy Grail, right?
1: Well, Percival does find... Well, he's not the first person to find it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? That's what I used to call MacGuffins. See, before, like, even before I ever heard, like, MacGuffin theory explained to me, Uh I had my own personal name for it. I called Uh them, I called them Grail movies. Grail was my personal word that I came up with for MacGuffin. Okay. When I noticed that some movies, again, like just to have this structure of like, if the good guys end up with the grail, they win. If the bad guys end up with the grail, they win. Right. But the grail is actually not really important to the story except to give people stuff to do. So.
0: Right. <laughs> I, I don't
1: know if there's that much there, but uh, there's another novel called Eye of the Needle. That has a, a a guy named Percival as a spy. Uh, Ready Player One, uh, the book and the movie, um, Percival is this mysterious online character that assists the hero in like trying to unravel whatever the fuck mystery that's supposed to be about. Finding I, I, the Grail. Right. Yeah. 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 Finding the Grail. Exactly. And uh, and uh. obviously, obviously, Atomic Blonde's got a Percival
0: he's both a double agent and the one trying to find the great. That's really interesting.
1: So that's just, that's six. That's six. Yeah. I can find. I just, I, I, I can, I'm so annoyed that I can't find any kind of historical reference to like why, but maybe it just takes one. Like maybe like, for instance, like the Parsifal mosaic unbeknownst to us is like such an influential, like book that like, you know, everyone that's into spy, novel history Mm -hmm. like keeps like uh kind of putting that in as like their own little easter egg you know like like a little wink
0: i wouldn't be surprised especially since it was mentioned in the company
1: but uh this percival the more times i watch the movie the more i really really like mcavoy's performance (laughs) and i only know him from two roles I only know him as Professor X and as David Percival, which are entirely different characters. Absolutely. And I think he did a fucking great job in both of them. I'm not maybe talking like super top shelf acting, Mm -hmm. but really enjoyable. Someone said, sometimes God just likes to wind up a human Wolverine and set it down on Earth as a prank. (laughs) that's how i feel about the david percival character in atomic blonde
0: yeah well i think you compared him to uh k-pop from when we did samurai spy that like he just wants to be the guy he loves he loves the game
1: every time we see someone make this kind of play in a movie or in a story we're all always going to refer it to it as the k-pop play
0: yeah the k-pop (laughs) play
1: We have to explain that really quick, though. You
0: oh, know, right now. Oh, for for those of you who haven't heard the the Samurai Spy episode, if you like ninjas and spy movies, you should go see Samurai Spy, and also you should listen to our podcast episode because we we call this one who's I, I guess the secret villain. That's a big deal at the end. We we, we call him K-pop because of his haircut. That, that guy wasn't trying to gain information for money. He wasn't trying to gain information for, like, uh, duty or loyalty. He wasn't trying to gain it for justice. He wasn't trying to gain it for self-preservation. He was just trying to gain it for being the guy. He just wanted to be the guy that held the power in his hand and and and, and he I think knew all
1: the secrets of everyone on all sides, and they they would all have to come from him. he'd be a puppet master
0: right exactly exactly and 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 I think you made a really good allusion to that with the Percival character because that's exactly his motivation is that he really just wants to uh play the game like he loves the game and really what really defines that part of him is his quote of Machiavelli, where he's just like, uh the deceiving of the deceiver is double the pleasure and then yeah uh lorraine's like oh machiavelli he was on your bookshelf oh my god i think i love you
1: yeah is, yeah, is, is, yeah yeah oh his lines are, dude his lines are so good and some of them they just they just get better on rewatching. like i i give you a really simple example is like fuck russians are heavy yeah you know? it's just like in a few in a few words you know, as he's dragging this body out of the car crash or whatever, like, it just tells you, like, this is not the first fucking Russian corpse that I've had to drag. Yeah, 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 <laughs> no, probably right. not the second, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really like that delicious little bit, too, about, like, in the briefing, when they do raise some slight concerns about Percival, they say specifically it's something like, uh, without the cover of the embassy, Percival has gone a bit native. And like someone else says, more like rabbit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, so this is
1: a guy that's been, uh, like, like, like we said, like he was the head of, he's the uh, station head
0: of oh, Berlin. Berlin.
1: This idea that since the Iron Curtain came down and he no longer has, um you know the diplomatic cover that he used to enjoy and with berlin just seeming to be like plunging into this weird kind of anarchic punk mentality chaos that mm. he's gotten mixed up in it you know like he he really just uh you know if 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 i get a chance you know that i i don't think they'll ever make the movie but i think that that prequel story that supposedly is the second of uh, uh, graphic novel in the series that is just all about him. Mm-hmm. Like I'm definitely into it. I'll, I'll read the fuck out
0: of that. Like I said, I'm definitely buying the comics. Uh, yeah. The fact that it's a, uh, more Luc Besson type of thing and she's not blonde. I, I was already sold on that.
1: <laughs> I like his cast. He uses his cast in a bunch of fun ways. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I mean yeah, it's a neat prop just yeah. for a character too, you know, yeah. with this scruffiness, you know, and it just just having the cast just makes it look like, you know, this guy's been in some shit, you know. We we don't think he we don't think he broke his arm, you know, um skiing in the Alpines Yeah or yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Parasailing right. in uh in 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 Brazil. Right. Like uh you know, this is a scrapper. But yeah, well, sitting... I mean,
0: there's a lot. There's a lot that that develops that character. You know, there's scenes with him like in the gritty underground, you know, of the streets with the street punks and stuff like that. You know, I I, I like that a lot.
1: But he does a lot with the cast, and also the cast, it's fake. Yeah. You know, or at least I mean, because she finds it sitting there on the, you know, and you don't just slip your arm out of those things. So you got to get them cut off, right? Right, right, but, exactly. Uh, you know, he he beats the shit out of some. East Berlin cops with it yeah uh, you know when he when he tackles Bactine, that's where he can he has concealed his little knife inside there
0: uh-huh. and that's
1: also and that's also where he was carrying his little transmitter so yep. you know um, plus spy points for you Percival you uh, are using a cast as a, you know kind of a like low low-tech spy gadget. Yeah, in a way that uh, you know, I, I I dig, I dig. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I got some thoughts to to say too about though, like um, the way that he gets back and forth from from East and West Berlin, uh, which is to say, the first time we see it, uh, you know, uh, well maybe he's got some cops on his tail, but you know the part I'm talking about, he goes right up to the wall. Drives, you know, apparently, like, lights a cop car on fire.
0: Right, and he has to go through great measures to get there, and he has, like, a secret tunnel that he can get through.
1: Right, and all I'm saying is, like, if this is his day-to-day way of getting back and forth, like, this is not going to fly. This is pretty fucking elaborate. (laughs)
0: Right, yeah, exactly. It's it's definitely, like, his ace in his hole to get across the border. So he's not really going to, like... Use it very often unless he has to,
1: I think he's lying to Lorraine when he says this whole plan of how to get spyglass across it doesn't match up with what he potentially could have done because mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he says like you know, she says, well, it uh, driving across the checkpoint isn't that hard. He says, well, yes, it is when you know, people, everyone's looking for Spyglass. But two things. First of all, when him and Lorraine want to go from west to east Berlin to prepare to extract Spyglass, they just walk through a tunnel. No mess, yeah. no bus. Right. Why don't you just take Spyglass back mm-hmm. through the tunnel?
0: Come on. Right.
1: And also, it's proven that driving across checkpoint is that easy because even after she loses Spyglass... Bill Skarsgård just fucking flashes his ambassador passport. Right. One and done.
0: I, well, I mean, he was planning on killing Spyglass, right? So that's probably why he was trying to convince her to use his plane.
1: Uh, yeah, he's making it unnecessarily complicated for reasons, for good reasons. Yeah. And he's done a pretty good job, too, of keeping her distracted. I feel like there's a lot of places where she just could have followed her own leads uh-huh. you know, to, to get back teen or the watch or whatever. And he just kind of delays her, mm-hmm. you know, by saying like, well, there's not much we can really do about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it,
1: it, it's, I feel like it's kind of annoyingly easy that yeah. he keeps her, um, you know, kind of from following up on shit that she should follow up on, but I'll give it, uh, I'll give it best number three personally. That uh, he just kind of keeps her distracted and, and not on, on not on point. His win conditions changed a little bit through the thing. Okay, he's lost the watch. Mm-hmm. But he's got his hands on the other copy, which is Spyglass's memory. And he agrees he's going to get Spyglass across to uh, West Berlin. Which, by the way, I guess like maybe he should have been make- making more moves to just fucking do that right? Um, but when he does get an opportunity to get his hands on the watch now his win condition changes where he's got a different copy of the list and now uh, he gets the max points for destroying the other copy so no one else can have it and presumably no one knows that he's got the primary copy there's several things in the movie that I feel want to suggest to us that he's made his decision to throw Lorraine under the bus, like from the get-go. Uh, you know, like um, well, that's what she
0: claims that she had been made,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like super early. But
1: <clears throat> uh, we know, we know, we know it's not him that dropped the dime on her uh, at the airport sequence because. It honestly seems like he, you know, uh, fucked up and failed to make the connection mm-hmm. to pick her up. Mm-hmm. And also he's got, if that's his intention, he's got no reason to uh, rescue her, basically. Right. Um, she intimates that he dropped the dime on her when she visited Gascoigne's apartment. That's possible. Mm-hmm. That also goes back to something that... Potentially, LaSalle could have known, which mm-hmm. could have been what she whispered to Lorraine. I'm not sure when he makes the decision to betray Lorraine, except until he gets the watch. At that point, he's he got knows. a clear motivation, right? Go ahead.
0: Yeah, he, he, that's when he figures out that she's Satchel. So that's that's kind of what you uh, would see. Like, he doesn't strike me as someone that's trying to do the good duty. So that's something that kind of bothered me. Like him finding out she's Satchel isn't like he just loves the game. So why would that be a reason for him to throw her under the bus? So I think him throwing her under the bus is because he she's her, his, his I guess, equal or like or like uh, a threat to him.
1: Plausible. Very plausible.
0: Yeah. I, I really think he just wants the watch to play the game, and that's all he's really after.
1: If he did plant a bug in her coat, Uh, that seems to be, I mean, there is a point where when she visits his hideout, uh, you know, he asks, you know, can I take your coat? She consents. He does walk into the other room with it, Mm -hmm. but he's back in about six seconds, which doesn't seem like enough time to me. (laughs) Right. Like if I was on like quality control in the movie, I'm sure I would have been annoying as fuck. And I'm uh-huh. sure that I'm sure they would have like fired me uh, on the second day
0: <laughs> <laughs> because I would be
1: complaining about everything. Yeah. <laughs> but if I'd made it to that point, you know, it's one of those things I would be like leaning up against the director and saying like, hey, you know, uh, uh, <clears throat> like uh, six seconds doesn't seem like enough time for him to, uh, you know, uh, unstitch, <laughs> right. you know, a seam in her jacket. And and plant uh, a UHF receiver. And also, wh- how does she... That thing is kind of bulky. I, I don't see that thing really, like... You
0: know, th- those type of devices would have been pretty bulky and heavy. So she would have noticed the weight of her coat changing and probably banging against the back of her neck.
1: You know, all this aside, I mean, he does cock up the plan. She goes along with it. Uh, although, I mean, it's to her credit... She makes her little side backup plans.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Right? Right. Um,
1: He gets gets some some hot spy points for bringing the family into the situation as a surprise. That's my number one best. It is a surprise twist to the plan that is, on its face, kind of inarguable. There's no way. Yeah, it's his can, wife
0: like, and his kid. It's part of the deal. I get my family across the border.
1: Right. It makes it makes sense, and she doesn't have the option of saying like, "Nah, this is this is this is no, we're aborting." Right. You know, but and it gives her, you know, it splits them up because you know, uh, according to their original plan, they would have been together, so he wouldn't have had an opportunity to do his own little funky business.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: So and you know, this whole idea, like, okay, I'll, I'll get the mom and kid across and you take care of spyglass. It's also tempting to her because like that leaves her alone with the, the person that she, you know, with the, with the package. Right. And so if she's suspecting him, she might be reasonably like thinking like, okay, this is actually beneficial. Percival will be busy doing something else. Right. On the other hand, though, she gets the plus five points because she also makes a wrinkle in the plan. Yeah. Which is like bringing the black umbrellas and not telling him about it.
0: Right. Which in that whole demonstration was set up by Skarsgård because he had, uh, she was asking him on the rooftop, like, what kind of groups can you get to show up? So the whole protest was set up by Skarsgård.
1: Oh, right. I didn't catch that because he talked about <laughs> it being a tinderbox. Yep, yep, yep.
0: And oh, then. Wow. And then so that's how they got everybody to have the umbrellas. So it's not just some like weird cinematic thing to look cool. And the umbrellas are what covers up, protects them from the snipers. She probably didn't know there were going to be snipers, but she probably assumed there might be. And so the whole point of the umbrellas was to protect her and the package, which was Spyglass. And so that made my number one best trade craft. I I loved the umbrellas. Yeah, it's a good
1: one. That's good probably literally. That's literally like the 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 piece of equipment that fuels the entire Hong Kong protests. Black umbrellas.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, it, it's 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 a it's a really really good play. I wonder if they they got that from Atomic Blonde.
1: Huh. That that'd be interesting. I would, yeah. Let's let's look that up just for funsies. Not gonna do it for this podcast, but just for funsies. Let's let's go ahead and research. We could put it in uh, Facebook post or something if we find out like who came up with that tactic because it's a really good one.
0: Uh, I don't know if there's any cases of it actually being used, but I th- I th- I, th- I think it would help. Sure. Yeah, if you had that many people with umbrellas,
1: and of course, this whole plan involves them. Uh, uh, you know, pulling some sneaky shit off in Alexander Platz under cover of a demonstration. Hmm, have we done that in a movie recently? Oh yeah, Born Supremacy. Way back yeah.
0: Back. <laughs> right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a good play.
1: You know, speaking of which, I just wanted to note real quick that, like, in my memory, uh, this movie drew a lot more from Born than I think it actually does when I watch it again today. Um, I still think, I still think Bourne is a really, really important critical ingredient for making movies like this possible. Uh But, but this movie really doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't borrow nearly as much from Bourne as I, as I thought it did. And, and one thing I really appreciate, I wish we'd mentioned this up at the top, but you know, like Bourne uh, fights, are like so like quick cut. Right. You know, like where, right. you know, who knows who knows what's what's actually fucking happening, you know? It just it just feels good. And it and it felt great and it's really exciting to watch. But like this is like such like action scene wise, like this is so like the opposite. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> where you
1: really get to see what the the you know the talents of the stuntman and the martial artists and the choreography.
0: Like probably the best fight scene ever. Uh, There was one quibble I had when she gets, when she's in the elevator, she has her pistol and there's some guys at the top that have their pistols. And uh, I don't think she ever actually gets to fire a shot or doesn't fire very many. And then they get into like a, a physical fist fight. A bunch of stuff happens she like wins, and then her next step is to go into their bag and she finds like an assault rifle that she can't assemble. It's like broken or something. I'm not sure, but that was one of your favorite action moves. once Oh right, because she,
1: she, she doesn't use it. Right, she, she just, uses the butt and, of the gun and to, to the guys. And they didn't use it.
0: Right, but there was a bunch of pistols up there, and I'm not. And some of them would have had extra magazines. I. I don't know why she just was like, okay, let me just take this rifle, you know, and, and it really was cool that she used the butt of the rifle to hit the guy in the throat, but she, she had a pistol there that. Had dropped.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I do want to take that opportunity to segue into, uh, her use of improvised weapons.
0: That's actually going to be my number three. Best trade craft was, uh, her improvised weapons. Um, Like, you know, I'd said at the beginning of the or or last week's podcast, I I had mentioned that from all of the action, it's the entire entire movie. I'm not saying this is like absolutely perfect, realistic fighting, you know, uh, but I want to say it's like the best attempt at it. Uh, Like, you know uh there were some things like her jumping out and holding the rope at the third balcony with holding the rope with one hand like her shoulder probably would have been dislocated from that jar i guess i i don't know but what bugs uh hey tom
1: cruise gets to do that shit all the time and nobody complains
0: i i do i do all the fucking time okay, i hate okay, that okay. shit okay. uh but um uh no what, what what i loved is how realistic the situations were and she was up against a lot of bigger guys that were probably just as experienced and just as trained as she was. And her use of improvised weapons were fucking fantastic. Like it, it, she was so aware of stuff around her and she was able to use it. And it wasn't like silly. It was like shit that there would be there. like, there's the like hot plate that she hits the dude in the the knee with. Don't forget Uh, about the freezer door. There's the freezer door. I love that one. There's the ladder. There's the keys. There's the keys the...
1: were dope. The keys were dope too. And she like uh, you know, rifled the, the moviegoers pockets to get her hands on those.
0: Dude, it's it's just like endless.
1: What about well, I mean, there's the fucking shoe. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's... <laughs> right right <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. At the beginning
0: of the movie, yeah. She pulls her shoe off. Like, she makes it look like she's just adjusting her shoe and then she pulls her like Stiletto and starts like hitting the dude up,
1: right? She just got off a plane, so she can't be packing,
0: right? Exactly,
1: unless unless they have some kind of secret like arrangement with the you know, whatever they call the TSA in Berlin in 1989,
0: right? Right, you know, or whatever it is, but yeah, what about what
1: about what about there's two points there's two points in the movie where she carries she she fixes her pistol in her hand in a certain uh way uh like with the barrel facing back toward her elbow so that she can use that as a as as a as a cudgel
0: oh okay yeah 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 there's there's a lot of little stuff like that that um She has a lot of like, I guess, spatial awareness and things that are around her that she utilizes for her situation. You know, like the beginning of the movie, they were saying like she's an expert at evasion and escape. She's proficient at intelligence gathering. You know, Uh, and she really like I, I think I think the movie did a lot of justice as far as what someone of her build and experience could pull off and and be on top rather than just assume she's just gonna win like she she she, she i believe she won versus right like, yeah that she yeah. earned
1: it that she earned it right you know right. instead of like you know in the old like kung fu movies which i love right you know like they just do magical shit right you know right. and and in so many of like uh you know the the 80s movies or whatever like if you want If you want the woman to kick ass, like you just fucking have her kick ass and just never, just never mind the fact that, you know, the guy is like eight inches taller and has like a five inch reach advantage and like a fucking maybe like a 70 pound weight advantage
0: over her. Yeah, yeah. Just never mind
1: that. But these, this, this feels really good, you know, and like, like I I just want to use the word earned. Yeah, uh, just no, like absolutely. just like I love the fact like when again, like when Charlie's there on and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mad Max in the most recent oh
0: one. Uh, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Fuck. Yes.
1: Yeah. When yeah. they square off and they have their fucking fight, they go ahead. They give him a massive liability, which is that he's carrying around a, you know, unconscious guy that he's handcuffed to through a car door. Yeah,
0: yeah, hey, right? <laughs>
1: and I feel like by doing that, it's so... Oh, I mean, it warms my heart. It literally does. You know, because I don't... I want to see women kick ass, but I don't want them to just get it for free. There's a reason they don't put flyweight UFC fighters, women fighters against heavyweight male UFC fighters. Right, exactly. Because they would just you know, fucking lose.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. No matter no, I mean,
1: how no matter how good Shevchenko is, right? You know, she just can't win that fight.
0: Right. Right. She's yeah. She's she's not gonna beat Cormier. Like I don't care how hard she hits, she's not gonna break that jaw of his, you know, <laughs> even if we give the assumption like you do in a lot of action films like our hero is obviously just better at fighting than the bad guys right it's gonna come down to strategies and that's why i wanted to bring up improvised weapons because there were so many moments where she needed an improvised weapon and that that really made that really made it for me as far as the action and and that that last action scene was like phenomenal because people get tired, people get dizzy, people get hurt, people are fucking bleeding, you know. <laughs> it's it's it, it you know. So I, I really really enjoyed it. So that's 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 my piece on that.
1: Let's back up and review wind conditions for Lorraine for a second. out ninety five percent of the movie, until we get to the end, mm-hmm. uh, we don't have any reason to think she's got any other wind condition except the one that matches MI6, which is like who she's ostensibly working for. Right. Right. You know, like a lot of people, like I said, like uh, if they get one copy of the list and, Oh, if someone else has a copy of the list, eh, whatever, we're both in the winner circle. You know, it's not a massive victory, but you're still a winner. If you have one copy of the list at least. Right. But more than anybody else, she needs both copies of the list. Right she yeah uh, that's assuming which which i do feel like assuming are you with me on this that she knows that the list would expose her as satchel i right. think i think that is it's never said but i i i, I feel it mm-hmm. i'm peeved that she acts like just getting spyglass out of East Berlin would be a win for her because it actually wouldn't be she still needs the watch she right. doesn't know that Percival has the watch so it's a case of her like taking her eye off the ball mm-hmm. again um, but again like I said like, it, and to me it all keeps coming back keeps coming back to like the the story and the plot just seems to be written by different people Uh,
0: you
1: know like like people pay attention to uh characters pay attention to things for just as long as i don't know it seems convenient for the director and then the moment that the director wants to like show us some other spy stuff you know they just conveniently just forget about it right i did not like the fact that earlier in the movie she she, she says that she needs to know what the Russians know. And that's why she follows up on the card and goes to meet Bremovich. She gets interrupted in that conversation by LaSalle. And that's fine. But if two seconds earlier she needed to find out what the Russians know... Why does she no longer need to know what the Russians know? You just got interrupted by, like, just this one random French chick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the conversation of what you're doing. Why do you not swing around for another bite at the apple? Why don't you go? And again, you know, again, like, uh, you know, you're supposed to be working for uh, You should have You should have better, like, methods of communicating with the guy or whatever. But... It's just, uh, you know, uh, because, and, and, yeah, looking back, you know, the only reason she, movie-wise, that she needed to have that scene with Bremovich in that cafe is so that she could get those recordings, which she later splices in, to make it sound like Percival and Bremovich were working together uh, on a much deeper level than they actually were. Yeah. But... You see what I'm saying though? Like if, if at one moment you need to know something and then it just suddenly becomes inconvenient for the for the for the movie mm-hmm. to have you have that need, where does that need go?
0: Yeah. Uh not sure. <laughs>
1: I mean otherwise otherwise I would have been positive spy points on uh you know the I needed to know what the Russians knew, right? Right. That seemed like a good play, but it's it's not what she's actually up to. She's actually not up to anything except just doing some weird movie stupid spy shit. Annoying.
0: After killing Percival and pinning him as Satchel and winning the interrogation, I don't I don't think the epilogue after that was necessary other than revealing that she was working for the CIA the whole time.
1: Which we give we give uh, major I think, yeah, it's our our best number two for both of us is pinning Satchel on Percival. That's good shit.
0: Yeah, I I, I actually wanted to talk about uh, the interrogation. She's really playing the werewolf game really well between everybody, especially when you find out John Goodman knew that they were working together. And um, she's trying to convince C and... Who's the guy interrogating her?
1: Yeah, I just call, I just refer to him as that uh, big, big forehead, mi <laughs> superior.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, the the way she play goes on about playing, you know, there, there's questions when they reveal. Uh, by the way, Percival called us that night and said that he had the list and that he knew who Satchel was. And there's like this big pause. It, it's obvious the whole interrogation started because they believe that she might be satchel. Um And so her response is, well, why didn't anybody tell me? Like she went through hell after that moment, up until f- from between that moment, up until the interrogation and nobody had told her. So her whole life had been in danger as well as the, you know, spyglass, everybody. And she lost LaSalle. And so her response is, why didn't anybody tell me? And and so like, th- there's a lot of little moments like that. And then her finally pinning Satchel on Percival, I think, was really good. Because when she brings up that she killed Percival, they're like, you killed an agent of the cr- Servant of the Crown and blah, blah, blah. And he was our top agent in Berlin and blah, blah, blah. And she, She's just like, I, I did you a favor. Uh, he was a traitor and he got what he deserved, a bullet in the head.
1: Right, which for me, what what I like about it is is that having seen the photographs that LaSalle left her, she right. knows that she can sell this story. Yes, you know, yes. Up up until then, she doesn't have the ammunition to mm-hmm. to make it stick. But once she sees those pictures, she's like, "Oh yeah, I could def I could definitely tell them anything I want." You know, I uh-huh. got you. I got you meeting with the head of the you know k g b in berlin motherfucker
0: yep and and she uh doctored the recordings that she had from her bug uh to to mash up things he said where he was talking shit about m i six people like oh c is like an idiot like you know oh yeah what... i love
1: i love i love that she included that little bit <laughs> mm mm-hmm. As a movie goer, I'm super. I'm super cool with the whole way that she splices the tape together. It's beautiful. But then when I put my thinking hat on it, I, I don't I don't think it actually I don't think it would actually fly. Like
0: she would have to do some serious EQing and removing mm-hmm. of background static and stuff. And it would have been possible, but she would have had to have been a like a uh, Sound recording expert, you know, there's different stresses at times, the way people say things at times. Uh, but you know, the background stuff you could probably remove, and the ability to do that back then was available. But you're talking about hefty machinery, and she would have to be an expert on sound recording, you know, and have that machinery available to her, you know, it, it's which she did looking at the stuff she had, but it. <laughs> Uh yeah, I, I I'm definitely on todd with this that it's not really that believable.
1: So yeah, let's let's uh I I know where I wanna wrap it up. I got one more big complaint.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's my worst
1: number two because I am a fan of the movie. Uh-huh. And it's probably just that I like it so much in the first place that I <laughs> quibble so hard on this tradecraft. But this one is bad.
0: <laughs>
1: so we're we're post. You know, all the main events. Percival's dead. Uh, Apparently, like, she... I don't know. gave She didn't give the list to MI6. Did give the... Who fucking forgot all about that? But uh, she wants to go to Paris and do an incredibly stupid thing. Which is to meet with Bremovich. Who, by the way, just wanted to meet with her the whole fucking movie. (laughs) She gives him... Not the real watch, obviously, but a fake watch. And this just seems to be an opportunity for her to kill him. Mm -hmm. And also gloat about how stupid he is and how smart she is. Yeah. (laughs) It's a really bad play. If you wanted to kill Bremovich, there are a million better ways... Than to walk into the dragon's lair and you know where he's got all the advantage, and then just hope that things will work out. And this is one of those situations where, like, I don't mind when heroes in movies roll the dice big if they have to, if they're forced into the situation. What I don't like is when the gamble. The, the risk-reward is so out of kilter here. It really is, right?
0: I mean, I think it was just another opportunity for more action. Th- this is where it's actually revealed that she was Satchel. Y- you probably would have already figured it out by then, but it's explicitly stated. Like, hello, comrade Satchel. Exposition, um, basically. Right. But her going there. I don't know if it was there to kill him or if it was to get money for the watch or what the deal was. Uh, but obviously, uh, Skarsgard was there with the hotel staff, which is how she would have gotten the gun in the ice, I guess. Oh,
1: good one. Cause I was wondering about that.
0: Yeah. Uh, cause that was kind of like, well, where did this gun come from?
1: Yeah. It just materializes out of nowhere. Right.
0: Right. And, and, we get some weird quick shot at the end, uh, after she kills everybody that there's Skarsgard with hotel staff, which I presume they're there to clean up the bodies. Or is it just literally there to tell us that's how the gun got on the ice? I, I don't know. Right. But, well,
1: you know, hey, always have a team. By showing up with a fake watch is just like an opportunity to get close to him. Maybe. That's true. But it's still like it's still just such a such a stupidly huge like action hero gamble of the kind that I do not like to see in movies. Right. A long time ago on working on the notes for this movie at at a certain point I kind of gave up yeah. on trying to like push everything into the bale of hay and have nothing left sticking out. Like there's right. always going to be something sticking out. I yeah. think no yeah. matter how hard you try Absolutely. to analyze this movie. Yeah. Debriefing time?
0: Yeah definitely said <laughs> it agents please report for debriefing on this operation the director will see you now
1: i hope i haven't given a wrong impression about uh how much i like this movie based on how much i really kind of despise the plot holes
0: um,
1: <laughs> i mean i i it's 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 this was the brain-hurdiest movie to analyze as far as tradecraft of the plot that that we've ever done, it right. it really it really challenged me. And at some point, like I just threw up my hands and said, "Fuck it," you know. They're just they're just making a movie, and it's just gonna the movie's just gonna do what it's gonna do. Right <clears throat> at the core, though, it's a good story. It's a really good story. McAvoy versus Charlie's Theron. Uh, it makes sense. They have a weird kind of like not. I, I like to think of this like they don't have chemistry; they have anti-chemistry.
0: Right. <laughs> right.
1: know, <laughs> right? they have a really delicious anti-chemistry. They're like, uh, uh, you know, they're 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 water and oil. They're they're fire and ice, and um, that felt really good. And it's thoroughly enjoyable to watch them. This movie is pure sex. The cigarette right. smoking. The soundtrack the performances charlie's is just fucking amazing and the fight scenes are fantastic and all the just ah, just it's super enjoyable yeah uh (laughs) i i am on a full-on fucking hard-on four right for this one um i've seen i've seen better movies uh I think if you don't want to think too hard about this one, it's, it's, it's hot.
0: I'm a and Well, and it gives you enough to think about, you know, so there's stuff, even if you wanted to think about it, you could like, there's a lot you have to pay attention to. Like, I think a lot of that sex and sizzle you're talking about is what keeps, I guess the mass audience's attention, but there's enough, that's you only get certain pieces of information where you have to kind of put pieces of the puzzle together yeah, yeah. so uh I, I, you know as a film i really enjoyed it as well um i i have i have trouble giving this one a 4 though um i really really love this movie i i enjoyed watching it it's a lot of fun but um considering my previous ratings i i have some Issues giving it a four, uh, so I'm gonna go with a three and a half on this. Um, there's a lot of realistic fighting that I liked, uh, like, and I think that's what really carries the film for me. Is the action was like much more realistic than general action films. Uh, like it, there was a lot going on, but I'm I'm definitely on board with Todd that the story was great, the soundtrack was great, the action was great. Um, and, and it's just like this kind of discrepancy with the intelligence or the tradecraft or who's motivating who or being motivated to do what. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with a three and a half on this.
1: Uh, my best tradecraft for this movie, my number three, is just Percival uh, just generally keeping her distracted from what she should really be doing. I think it seemed easier than it should have been, but uh, he pulled it off. Right, right. Um, I forgot to mention, too, I, I, I guess I just want to put a pin in on this. Uh, Lorraine just actually seems to brute force her way through a lot of problems rather than engaging in high-level mental games of Spycraft. Right. Is that okay for me to say? Yes,
0: I mean, like they said at the beginning in her briefing, she's an expert at uh, escape and evasion and proficient at intelligence gathering.
1: <laughs> uh, my number two best is the same as Dave's number two, so I'll let him uh, talk about that one. My number one best, I think, uh, as I described before, I think Percival's play of uh, bringing the family along as a surprise right. just on the extraction mission uh, it makes so much sense, and it's something that uh, it's very difficult to, like, it's kind of easy to understand, and it's, and it's hard to say no to. And it plays into his hands perfectly. That's my number one best. How about yours? Uh,
0: my number three was the just the improvised weapons that Lorraine uses throughout the whole film, and uh, her being aware of her surroundings and being able to uh, get her way out. Uh, my number two, same as Todd's. Um, you know the it's the whole werewolf game that she played during the uh, interrogation, of her debriefing, and then just pinning satchel on Percival, like which kept her identity safe. Because, uh, well, here, yeah, we we already went into depth on how great that was. <laughs> but my number one absolutely was the umbrellas. I loved the umbrellas at the protest. Definitely created a problem for the snipers my number three worst uh i originally was not grabbing the pistol during the the awesome action scene but i upgraded it to uh the kgb not going after back team um when he had the watch yeah he he wasn't answering calls uh everybody knew he pretty much went rogue I, I don't I don't know why they didn't just go after him. They would have been the best group to go after to get the watch. Uh, and yeah, uh, my number two worst. Uh, well, let me talk about my number one and my number two. So it's the whole situation when LaSalle calls Percival and starts talking shit, provoking him to come kill her, which is my number one worst, which leads into my number two worst. She's already like poked the, the dragon and now she's just sitting there. For, no For no reasons. For no and, reasons. And then is just walking around her apartment, packing her bag with headphones on, not paying attention to anything going on. Um, even as, like, a newbie agent, I, I she should have packed her bags and gotten the fucking out of Dodge. Uh, so, yeah, those are my worst. What's your yours? You're clearly uh, holding on to something? Yeah,
1: well, yeah. My I mean, my number one worst is obviously the same as yours. Like, LaSalle, like, it's just, just, don't ever do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how you get choked to death. Yeah. Uh, and, and there was no profit in it. No, just nothing. Um, my number three, uh, I really felt like the movie dropped the ball on, you know, what happened to the list at the end. Like, MI6, I, I understand they're very concerned about the whole, like, David Percival is Satchel kind of thing. But, uh, you know, you started the movie out being very concerned about the list. And at the end of the movie, like, we just never even find out, like, did they get it? Did they not? Right. Uh, I don't know. Just tie, tie, tie a bow on that somehow movie, please. Uh, my number two worst is such a fucking tie for number one. But number one, like, you know, LaSalle, just stupidity just had to be number one. Right. But a close second is visiting Bremovich at the end. Uh in you know in Paris. Um it doesn't do anything except exposition. It's it's bad it's bad movie making. Yeah. It's not just bad decision. It's it's just bad movie making.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the ratings gonna be based on one to five park benches, one being no realism whatsoever, absolutely absolutely ridiculous, never had happened in a million years, to a five, which is the most realistic, you know, probably one of those history documentaries you've seen, uh, would be would be a five, is is what we're looking at.
1: To me, atomic blonde is almost a quintessential three park benches. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you've got a, you've got a solid setting, you've got some, some good history going on, but you've mm-hmm. also got some, some weird, uh, disconnected, uh, you know, means and motives that I right. think, uh, really, really drag the movie down from where it could have been
0: accuracy
1: wise. Right.
0: Right. And, again, this was a comic book, and it was filmed like most comic book films are filmed. There's, like, just enough of realism, but just enough of, like, uh, this is a little far-fetched.
1: I think, uh, it's a, I think it's a ridiculous story well told. hmm And that's why, that's why I think we should, uh, we should give it the three treatment. Okay. I don't, Sounds I don't good wanna, to me. I don't, I, I don't want to put it on the level of Miss Sloan.
0: No, definitely not. All right. Not even close. (laughs) And That's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at spies underscore like us. Visit us on our website at www.spieslikeus.net. You know, Find out about upcoming episodes. Also, what will really help us out is if you give us a review on wherever you found our podcast, either on iTunes or your Android app or YouTube or wherever you listen to us. Uh, even if you didn't like the show, just give us a review. It'll help us give us feedback so we can make the show better. And it can also help other people who haven't found the show yet find out about us. Hey, Moira, initiate Protocol 9. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and sound effects from Freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.